good morning. Four points. We've already had one great service this morning. Had someone get baptized, and we had one come to Christ, and it's just been a great day. And uh, we're going to continue to see some great things this morning. Uh, we began a new series last week talking about games, and right now it is game time, okay? It's game time. And uh, Pastor Jenny last week talked about Operation and how the body of Christ is, you know, comes together and we have different members that work together to, to fulfill God's mission and God's purpose in our life. And this morning, we're going to talk about or use the, the game Scrabble. How many of you play Scrabble or played Scrabble? A lot of you. I have a good friend of mine used to love to play, play Scrabble, but he couldn't spell, so he wasn't too good at it. Uh, you know, he always, you know, would spell no telling what, and he didn't get credit for what he was spelling. But in the game of Scrabble, it's not just about putting words together and getting points for those words. The key to Scrabble is that you know how to connect to other people's words. So when you connect to other people's words, that's how you score more points. So it's more than just creating words, it's about connecting words. Well, that's a lot like what the Christian life is, is connecting our words. When I began to study for this title and study, or basically for this game, I found something this week that I thought I needed to share with you. It says 60, I'm only 15 in Scrabble. I love that game a whole lot more than I ever loved it. Let me tell you why I really love it, because in Scrabble, my wife is 29. She's twice my age, and I really love that, okay? So next time somebody says, how old are you? I'm going to say, hey, 15, what do you think, huh? A little premature gray, that's all right. But, uh, hey, that's what it says. So, But, hey, the game Scrabble can teach us a lot. Because when we talk about words and how words connect and disconnect, it has a lot to do with our life, doesn't it? Because our words can not only connect us to people, our words can also disconnect us next to sexual sin in the bible did you know that the bible mentions the tongue as the most destructive behavior in our life the tongue who would have ever thought that who would have ever dreamed of that because the tongue is powerful it can be uplifting or it can be a destructive weapon because words connect and words disconnect I love what T.D. Jake says. He says, every time God opens a door, we open our mouth and shut it. Is that not true sometimes? I wonder how many doors have you shut because something that you said. Do you remember when we were little, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? Never harm me. It's the biggest lie we were ever told as a kid, right? We can heal from bruises and broken bones, but it's hard to heal from those words. Some of you can still remember those words you heard as a young child, as you were growing up. Words that penetrated you. And the sad thing is some of us can still remember those words we used that penetrated and we wished that we had not used. Because our lives are shaped by words, aren't they? My life has been shaped by words. Your lives have been shaped by words. Words impact us. They leave a mark, a tattoo. And the Bible has a lot to say about words. And I'm kind of titling this message after the great philosopher 
who used to say, did I do that, Steve Urkel? Some of you that are TV fans remember that. I just kind of substituted a little something there. Did I say that? Have you ever said something and as it rippled off your tongue, you were like, no, I did not say that. Have you ever said something and you were just, I wish I could take that back. I wish I wouldn't have said that. We all have, haven't we? A number of years ago in a church I was pastoring, there was a, a lady that had come and she had not been a, a churchgoer and she had come to Christ and she was so excited about our church. And this particular Sunday she, she brought someone with her and I saw her standing back there in the back of the church. And so I went back there and I looked at her and I said something that as a guy, especially a pastor, you never say to a woman you don't know. I looked at this lady that was visiting and said to her, is that your mom? And she looked at me and said, I did like your sermon till you said that. No, this is my sister. Oops. And then what do we try to do? We try to cover. Oh, yeah. No, then we just dig a deeper hole. Husbands, don't we do really bad at that? You know? You ever looked at somebody and said, when are you due? Mm-mm. Bad, bad, bad. Words. Did I say that? We think that, don't we? We, we? we worry about that. James, the brother of Jesus, in his book, named after himself, writes about that. In fact, he writes to the early Christians about the tongue and how dangerous the tongue can be. In fact, I wonder, parents, if we had read this earlier, or maybe if we read it, would it change the way we parent? Would it change what we say to our children? Children, would it change what you say to your mom and dad? I wonder, maybe would it change what you say to your spouse? Those of you that are single here today, I'm trying to get you the second date, okay? It might change your dating life. It may change... You, as an employee, you wonder why you can't keep a job. James may tell us here in just a second. Because our words are so important. Look what James says here in chapter 3, verse 1. I love the way he starts this verse because what he does, he identifies with everybody. Look what he says. We all make many mistakes. Can you identify with that? Can you agree with that? Is that you? Yes. For if we control, could control our tongue. Have you ever said that? I wish I could just control my tongue. We would be perfect. Wow. And could also control ourselves in every other way. In other words, James is saying here, if you would control, could learn how to control your tongue, you could keep your whole life from disaster and destruction. That's what he's saying there. You could be perfect. And then he follows that up with some pictures, with some comparisons to show us what the tongue is like. Look what he says here. We can make a horse or a large horse go wherever we want by a means of a small bit in its mouth. In other words, he's saying with a little bitty bit, little small piece, you can control a thousand pound horse. In other words, you can make that horse where you want it to go with just a little bit in its mouth. Have you ever noticed a child riding a horse, this little child riding this big animal, and that animal is going directly where that child wants it to go because of that little bit. 
He's relating that to our mouth. Our mouth can do that. And then look at the next verse, what he says. A small rudder can make a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. He shifts from a thousand-pound animal to something that weighs tons that is actually controlled by a little bitty rudder. That rudder controls where that big ship goes. The tongue, a two-ounce piece of flesh. Did you know that this little thing has eight muscles in it that never wear out? Now you know what's going on, right? Now you know why he or she just keeps talking. Huh? We know that, right? Nobody's surprised. Did you know the average person says 16,000 words a day? Some of you, you're there by lunchtime, aren't you? Huh? Give us a break, right? But a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. But a small rudder in the hands of an experienced captain can take a big ship and steer it into the wind of a storm to make that ship go where he wants it to go. Wow, the power of the tongue. And then notice what he says. He shifts from object to something else. In the message translation, this verse says, it only takes a spark. In other words, he compares our tongue to a spark. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony to chaos. We can throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. You see, the difference between a bit and a rudder is they just affect that situation. But a spark spreads, and a lot of times it can't be put out. I would just thought here, I wonder if James was prophesying about the Internet. Because you see, the day when you put a word on the Internet, when you text a word, when you Twitter a word or something like that, when you use Instasham, as I say, those words are spread like a spark from a fire. And you cannot delete them out. And what he's doing here is showing us the danger. You see, a, a, a fire scorches every single thing in its path. Our words burn up relationships. Our words affect our impact on people that don't know Christ. Our words destroy our children and our words destroy our spouses. Watch this. We scorch the people we love the most with our words. Hmm. But not only that, we scorch the people we worship with with our words. Shouldn't be. Look what James says about that. With the tongue, we praise our Lord, hallelujah, and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We're all guilty. 
James is showing us the danger that a tongue can be. Listen to me, guys. I wonder, and I think about my life, and and I wonder if there's somebody you've been trying to let them know how loving and gracious and important God is in your life, and then you open your mouth and negates every single word you could ever say. We've become immune to what the tongue can do. We become immune to words that are destructive and harmful and immoral because the culture says it's okay. We as followers of Jesus can't live our life by the culture. We have to set the standard, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that it shows that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My mom was always saying crazy things. She was a little five foot four lady and, and was hilarious. And, and she would, when somebody would just be, you know, somebody that just kind of talked all the time, my mom would say they need to put their mind in motion before they put their mouth in gear. And then she'd say, I believe they've got constipation of the brain and dysentery of the mouth. I can see her saying that right here today. That'd be her word. So what is the source of our words? Why do we say these things? Do they just pop out? Do they have an origin? Where do they come from? Where do they originate from? Well, let's look what the scripture says in Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 20, 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. In other words, let me tell you something. There is a seed within you that has been planted by something you have said or something somebody else has said to you. And what happens is that seed grows and becomes a fruit that harvests itself in your lips in what you say. Then what does it say? It says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words can be summed up in two categories, toxic or healing, life-giving or deadly. Toxic is, is a word that's basically related to the word toxin, and it's kind of a poison, basically. It comes from an ancient Greek word, toxiton, and it means poison for arrows. And basically, in other words, it is a drug that poisons, Okay? You see, what you say in your mouth is not born in your tongue. It's born in your heart. It's born because there's poison in your heart. There is a toxin that has caused a fruit within you to come out of your mouth and be harvested by what you say. That's the power of the tongue. Look what Proverbs says again here. Gives us a couple words there. Look for some words here that are powerful. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then in Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing. Can you picture the soothing tongue? The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You see, our words are powerful. When God created the world, how did he do it? He spoke. He said, let there be, and there was. Words create or words can destroy, and we are made in the image of God. Notice a couple words here, reckless, pierce, crushing. Have you ever used any kind of, any of those words? Have you ever been the victim of those words? 
Parents, did you know you can use crushing words and that can crush the spirit of your child? You can crush their emotions. You can crush their joy. But notice what else it says here about the tongue. The tongue of the wise. In other words, when we think about what we say, when we think before we speak, it says that that the tongue has healing. It's soothing. To soothe means to comfort, to, to calm down, to bring peace, to make well. In other words, he's saying that's the kind of words that need to come from our mouth. And we need to think about what we say. Because we've all used toxic words. We've used piercing words and words that crush. But then there's those life-giving words. I believe in you. You're special. You're going to make it. God's got a purpose for you. You're the best of the best. I can tell you're really going to be something. I love you. You matter to God. God has a purpose for your life. I remember a a number of years ago there was someone and and I said to them, I love you and you're special and God is going to do awesome things in your life. And that young person broke down crying and he looked at me and he said, I'd give anything in the world to hear my daddy tell me that. I appreciate you telling me, but I want to hear my daddy say that. Parents, listen to me. Learn to use encouraging, uplifting words to your children. To those that God has entrusted. And let me tell you something as a parent. mm, Sometimes we want to just have kill them, okay? A child can make you angrier than anybody else in the world. But that's when you have to bite your lip and say, this is when they need us most. Okay? Because I've made that mistake. Be careful and don't use those crushing words in your life. Words are connectors. Words connect us to relationships. God used words. When you look at the life of Jesus, one thing that is so amazing about the life of Jesus is everywhere he went, he added value to people. If you've been around me any time, that's a word I like to use. I want to add value to people. I think in ministry, we need to add value to people. When I was working with the students, I wanted to tell our leaders, we've got to add value to these students. They may not get any value except from what we say. You see, because when I look at the life of Jesus, everywhere he went, he added value to people. He went through Samaria because there was a Gentile woman there, and he built a relationship with her, and he asked her for a drink of water, and then he began to, to share into her and gave her value. He looked at her and he said, I know you've been married five times, and I know you're now living with the man that you're with, but God still loves you, and you're valuable. And she went and told everybody how her life was changed because Jesus added value to her. How about the woman that was called in the act of adultery because they had trapped her to try to trap Jesus and they threw her at Jesus' feet and he started writing in the sand and he looked up at all the religious leaders and the Pharisees and said, the ones of you without sin, throw the first stone. And the Bible says quietly, they all got up and left one by one. And then Jesus looked at that humiliated lady there and said to her, There is no one left to condemn you, neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
How about when Jesus looked up in a tree and there was a guy by the name of Lazarus there that nobody liked. He'd stole money. He, 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 in a sense, just basically abused his own people. He took from them. Nobody liked him. And Jesus looked up in a tree and saw something in him that nobody else saw. And he looked at Zacchaeus and he said, get out of that tree and come down because I'm going to hang out with you today because you have value. How about the thief on the cross? When Jesus looked at him and said, today your sins are forgiven, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, in the midst of his pain, saw him and added value to him. How about Peter, the man that denied Jesus three times? And after the resurrection, he was out in a boat. He went back fishing. And Jesus went and cooked some breakfast on the lake. I can smell it right now. And then he brought him over there and he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? He didn't ask him that because he didn't know. He knew Peter loved him. But he did it to add value to him. What if our words begin to add value? What if what came out of our mouth began to add value? The question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is what are you creating with your words? What are you creating with your words? Life or death? Blessings or curses? Because your words determine your future. Do you know that what you are today is what you said you were yesterday? Anytime somebody has your ear, students, they influence you. When you listen to what somebody else says, you're giving them a chance to speak into you. How much have you been influenced by listening to the wrong voices? Words release pictures in our mind, if you study that. And basically, in a sense, words can set the course of your life. I think there's two types of ways that, that words impact us. Words we hear and words that we speak. So let me give you a couple principles here today to help you to apply this and, and, and to make some application to your life. First thing I want you to see is we must guard our hearts from toxic words. Guard our hearts. We must build up a defense from toxic words. Now listen to me this morning. You can't control what others say about you, okay? But you can control what you believe. All right? You can't control what other people say about you, but you can control how you process it and how you apply it. Solomon, who we believe is the wisest man that ever lived, in Proverbs chapter 4, he writes some guidance for his son. In other words, this whole chapter, in a sense, is, is, is to his son and, and guidance to him about life. I want you to notice what he says there. My son. Pay attention to, listen closely to my words. And then he gives some amazing advice there. And he says, above all else, and he basically says, lean in, son. you got to hear this. This is the most important thing. Listen to my words. And he says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart because it will control what comes out of your mouth. Your tongue is a result of what's in your heart. And see, if we go back to James chapter 3, how James started out his guidance to us, what did he say? For if we could control our tongue, huh? what did he say there? We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. 
The reason he wrote that passage of Scripture, James did, the reason he said that, because I believe James knew what the Proverbs said, and he knows that what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so he's saying there, you've got to learn to refresh your heart. And the way you control your mouth is by what you let in your heart. Dr. Luke says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, your mouth basically says what has happened to you in your heart. Your mouth speaks how you feel in your heart. Your mouth basically is a spokesman for what is inside of you. If there's bitterness inside of you, if there's hurt, if there's pain, then it will come out of our mouth a lot of times. Because a seed has been planted and it overflows from the fruit of our mouth. You know, sometimes we try to cover those things up by using it in a a comical way. One of the biggest things that we say, one of the biggest lies we say is, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Yeah, a little bit you were. But really down deep inside, that was meant to be a crushing and a piercing word to represent how you feel in your heart. Guys, I'm a victim of that. I'm, 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 you know, I'm talking right to me right here, okay? It's bouncing off that wall right there back at me, all right? And that's why in James, the writer there also says that the tongue is something that can't be tamed. Can't be tamed. It can only be something that we try to control. Listen to me this morning. You are not what other people say you are, okay? They say you're not good enough. What does the Bible say? You were created in Jesus Christ to do what? Good works which were prepared in advance for you to do. Walk in it. Claim it. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the old has become new. Don't listen to toxic words. Don't do that. You are not what other people say you are. Guard your words. Guard your heart. Don't let toxic things seep into your heart and change who God created you to be. But we don't just guard our heart by what we hear, but we also need to guard what others, what you say to others. You need to guard what you say to others. We need to speak life-giving words to people. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, writes a letter to these Ephesians who basically in, in that area, they were, they were all kind of gods that they worshipped, okay? I mean, there was a god for everything you could imagine, and people made up their own gods. And so they didn't feel like it mattered what you say. In other words, it, you know, your, your words mattered not at all. And so he's speaking to new believers in the church there at Ephesus. He's trying to tell them, your words matter. Let's look what he says here. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I'm fixing to show you what that means in a second. Do not let any unwholesome talk, toxic words come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for what? For building others up. Notice according to their needs. Not just building them up, but when they have a need that it may benefit those who listen. So Paul is saying here you need to think about what you say. Don't just say it. Your words have power. They're important. And see, in their pagan culture, it didn't matter. 
But he says, do not let any unwholesome word. You know what the word there, unwholesome, means if you study it? It means a smelly fish. Okay? It means a rotten piece of fruit, or it also means a sandal, a stinky sandal from a smelly foot. The smell of it. That's what an unwholesome word there is. And they didn't have roads like we have today, okay? They walked on dirt where animals did, you know, their thing, okay? So, so it's talking about these unwholesome words. But uh, there's another pastor that, that I read behind, and, and he says that word there, unwholesome, means fish mouth. Fish mouth. I wonder if we would think the next time we're about to say something, fish mouth. Am I being a fish mouth? Now, don't go home and call your spouse fish mouth, okay? Please don't do that and say, Preach, Preacher Stephen said you do that, all right? No, I'm talking about us, not somebody else, okay? Fish mouth. I came across a story, and you guys have heard me long enough to know that I love to tell stories about people and how things have impacted their life. Coach Brown was speaking to a group of soldiers at a military base in California. And after his speech, a young man came up to him who was about six foot eight tall, six foot nine, weighed about 250 or 80 pounds. And he looked at Coach Brown and he said to him, Coach, I want to try out for my basketball team, but I can't even dunk a basketball. I can barely jump when I run. In fact, when I run up and down the court, my legs get so tired quickly that I can't even play long. Well, Coach Brown looked at the young man and said, how long have you been in the military, son? As he was gazing at his size 17 shoe. Oh, he said, I'm not in the military. That's my father. I'm only 13 years old. How tall are you, son? He said, well, they say I'm close to seven foot. Coach Brown told the young boy he would send him some drills and, and a workout program to help him. And so he did. Three months later, he got a letter from the young student and says, Coach, I've been doing what you say, but I got cut from my team, and they say I'm too big, that I'm too clumsy, and that I'll never be able to play basketball. What do you think, Coach? Coach Brown wrote him back and said, Son, if you'll keep working out, if you'll keep being your best every day, and if you'll keep asking God to help you, you'll get where you're supposed to be, and you'll become what God created you to be. That day... That young man decided he would choose who he let label his life. He decided to reject those defeating words, and he continued to listen to Coach Brown and to work hard. By his senior year, he was seven foot, over seven foot tall, close to seven foot one, and he was one of the most recruited basketball players in America. And when every other coach came calling, he said, I'm going to go to LSU and play for Coach Brown because he saw something in me nobody else saw. And he broke every record that had ever been set at that university. And you probably know who I'm talking about, the Shaq, Shaq O'Neal. Because somebody cared to pour into him and give him words of encouragement, words that build him up. And as I read about him, it also said that Coach Brown didn't just stop caring about me for basketball because he told us when we got there, he said, you go to class because I want every one of you to get an education. He said, I didn't think I had to go to class, so I didn't go one day. 
The next morning, somebody came in my room at 4.30, and it was Coach Brown, and he jerked me out of bed and ran me for three hours because he said, Son, there's more to your life than basketball. And then he said, I've enrolled you in a communications class. I, I, can't, I can't go to a communications class. He struggled with his speech. And Coach Brown said, there's more to life for you than just basketball. He continued to speak into him. And if you watch any kind of television, you're going to see Shaq on there. And when you see him, you'd never dream this was a guy that struggled to communicate. Because somebody cared and poured life into him that defeated those toxic words in his life. Words are gate openers. When we speak, we either open a gate of praise for God to walk through or we open a gate of hell for the enemy to walk through. Gate opening is not optional. The question this morning is which gate will you open? Which gate are you opening? The Bible says that we need to guard our mouth. And if we go back and look at that passage of Scripture, notice it said the word build up. That's what we need to do. Build those around us up. Build those people that we know of. When we build somebody up, we're helping them to be what God created them to be. And then if you continue to look at the rest of that passage there, it says, as the need arises. In other words, we need to look for needs. We need to look for people that need encouragement. We need to look for people that need to be lifted up and built up. Because your mouth is a construction site for the character and the life of people that God puts around you. If you followed up, if we had time, the rest of that, the next verse there says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know that by the words that you say to somebody else, you can grieve what, what God is doing in your own life and can cause you to not fulfill what God wants to do through you. Guard what you say to other people. And then the last thing we see here this morning is guard what you say to yourself. If you didn't hear anything else I said this morning, this may be the most important thing because it really doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. It really says what you say to yourself. David gives us a passage of scripture there that I think guides us there in so much here. You see, so many times we say to ourselves, I'm never going to be good enough. Life is always going to be sickening. I'm never going to make it. I'll never get the break. I'm tired of the person I am. My marriage is never going to work. I'm never going to get out of financial trouble. I'm never going to own anything. I'm never going to get over this sickness. And see, when we say those kind of words to ourselves, they are creating a seed within us that becomes fruit that we, before long, start to believe. So David basically encouraged himself in the Lord. In other words, when everything else was falling apart, when he couldn't look to anybody else, he says that he encouraged himself. Look what the scripture says. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I've been distressed too, okay? They spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was bitter, each one for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Listen to me. If you've been around any time, there will come a time in your life where you have to be the one to encourage you. You can't depend on nobody else, okay? 
You can't wait on somebody else to do it. It's all a matter of you. In this world where everybody thinks they got to have something if they breathe, that's not what the Word of God says. You are responsible for your life, nobody else. You encourage yourself. Your words decide your future. What you are today is what you said yesterday. As I was also reading, and I read this months ago, how many of you know Stephen Furtick, know who he is, great, tremendous pastor in Charlotte, an anointed guy? That when Stephen was in seminary in one of his classes, and those of you who have ever been to seminary, you know this, you, you go in these classes and, and you, you know, practice your preaching and you do messages and then they critique you and tell you how bad you were most of the time, okay, and what you need to change. Well, in one of Stephen's preaching class, the first time that he spoke, a couple of guys from his class came up and said, you need to find another career. You'll never make it in what you're trying to do. What if Stephen had not encouraged himself? What if he'd let those guys speak into him instead of listening to what God said he was going to be? A number of years ago, what a very prominent pastor at a conference, the way I've read it, that Stephen was at, they were, had a panel and they were just saying words and someone asked, this particular person says, when you hear the word Stephen Furtick, what do you think of? And he said, unqualified. Now, most of us would got pretty irate, right? Stephen encouraged himself in the Lord, and he said, that guy was exactly right. I'm unqualified. We're all unqualified. And he wrote a book entitled it Unqualified, and it became one of the biggest bestsellers that he'd ever written because he encouraged himself in the Lord. He knew that the Lord was the source of his strength. Nobody else can be your source of strength. If it's your spouse, if it's your husband, if it's your wife, if it's your parents, if it's your children, you cannot find and they cannot be the source of your strength. It's got to be your relationship with Jesus Christ. So you say, Pastor, how in the world do I change that? How do I, I get these words out of my mouth? How do I learn to speak different? How do I learn to speak life into people? Well, let me show you. I wonder what would happen if every single morning you woke up and you started to speak the Word of God, you began to say words like, I am somebody, I am blessed, I am a new creation. And you put some of those words on the mirror where you get ready. You put them on the dash of your car. You put them underneath your coffee cup. You put them where you'll see them every day. And then I want to challenge you to take this passage of Scripture, Ezekiel chapter 36, 25 through 27. I'm going to get Pastor Austin to put it on Facebook for us because you won't have time to write it down probably. But you take this passage of Scripture and you read it for the next seven days. And, I, and I've filled in and make it more personal. And I want to read that to you because this is how we change what comes out of our mouth. God will sprinkle clean water on me and I will be clean. God will cleanse me from all my impurities and from all my idols. God will give me a new heart and put a new spirit in me. God will remove from me my heart of stone 
that the heart that others have spoken into me and created, God will remove that heart of stone and God will give me a heart of flesh. God will put His Spirit in me and move me to follow His decrees and I will be careful to obey and adopt and to abide by His laws. Guys, I believe if we'll put that and read that for seven days and claim that, that God is speaking to you, it will change your mouth because it'll change your heart and words will start coming out of your mouth that you didn't ever know were there. God has amazing things for Four Points Church. The sky is the limit. And if Four Points Church could be known as a church of encouragement, a church that uplifts people, a church that builds people up, wow, what God will do. And I think what God is going to do. Can I ask you a question this morning? Not how's your mouth, how's your heart? What does God need to do in your heart? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus this morning and, and you know He lives in your heart, but you know your heart is full of stone. Your heart is full of bitterness. Your heart is full of pain. Your heart is full of envy and rejection. Would you pray that God will give you a new heart? Would you claim this passage of Scripture? Then if you're here today, maybe you're seeking God. You've been coming to this church or you just came today because you're really trying to discover and find out who God is and to see if He's real. And you've heard about His Son, Jesus, but you've never entered into a relationship with Him. You've never let Jesus step out of heaven and step into your heart. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants you to be His child. And He wants you to enter into a relationship with Him. I want you to stand for me this morning. Just please stand as we're going to continue to worship here in just a minute. I just want as you stand there, nobody looking around. Just me and you and God. I wonder there in your heart this morning, nobody looking around. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Do you need to repent of your sin and, and claim His forgiveness and claim His death on the cross and His resurrection and become a new believer, a person that knows Jesus? If you're here today and you need to do that, you need that fresh heart that only Jesus can give. And you're not a believer in Him, but you want to be today. Would you just raise your hand? so we can pray for you, so we can get you some information. Anybody here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to start that journey today. Okay. And then maybe the last thing I want to ask you, if you need a new heart, you're a follower of Jesus. You need a new heart, a fresh heart, a new spirit. And you want us just to pray for you this morning. Would you just slip that hand up real quickly and put it back down? Thank you. Thank you. Who else here this morning? I didn't see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else this morning? You need a new heart. Heavenly Father, I pray for these this morning. That lifted their hand and, and acknowledging what they need. And Father, for those that even didn't, that, that need that. And we lift them to you this morning, Father. Father, as we continue to worship and, and we lift you up, may you cleanse, may, may you purify. And Father, as, as we wake up in the morning and we read your word and we claim those words in Ezekiel, may you begin 
that purification of our heart and it will be so evident in what comes out of our mouth. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for making a way for us. Father God, may you continue to heal and speak as we continue this worship. In your holy name we pray, amen.